Blog Talk Radio. everybody to applause radio show we have a great show tonight hope we that everybody's being uh happy healthy and staying home so let's get this and kick this thing in the ass so before we start uh, the show let's welcome and thank our sponsors the high farm bistro in garfield new jersey precious memory video in kittenersville pennsylvania and kwv wines in south africa might as well just get right to it what do you think john I'll go right ahead. Jeff is on the line. Hey, Jeff, how yeah. are you? Hey, I'm doing. Hello, hello. Hi, Joanne. I'm doing the best I can, you know. I mean, I'm smiling uh, and going through this freaky time like everybody else on the globe. Yeah. Man. The craziness, yeah. right? But thank God we have music to relieve it. It's the connector. It's yeah. never failed. It's nope. never failed. The best medicine, besides laughter and laughter and music, is the best medicine. So, folks, we have Jeff Powell here. He's the bassist from Foghat. He's been in other bands as well. Uh, Most recently, Foghat. Will we say, yeah, Jeff? I'm sorry. Most recently with Foghat, yes. So I was with yeah with Foghat on and off since the late uh, uh, since the early mid-80s on and off, and I bounced between them and Savoy Brown, the British right. blues legend. And uh, oddly enough, I actually ended up in the Outlaws with Huey Thomas and did three CDs with them. Uh, and uh, recently, as of 2008, went back to Fog Hat, did a CD with them called Last Train Home in 2010 that did well on the mm. blues show. And uh, as recently as 2015, I did shows with them. So uh, I really, really was uh, personally attached with Roger Earl, the legendary yeah. drummer. And right. so Roger's my connection, always my friend. And uh, I haven't seen him in a few years. And we go our own way, but we keep in touch. And uh, like we text each other a little love and stuff. I'm actually with my new group, Boogie Du Jour. I'm playing in July uh, up around the Rochester, New York area, which isn't far from home for me. I'm from the Finger Lakes, New York, Ithaca, actually. And, oh. uh, yeah, that's my hometown. And uh, uh, I'm playing a weekend, and Roger uh, Foghat's playing the night afterwards. So it'll be a great boogie weekend. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, man, you got to have hope, right? you got to have a reason to wake yeah. up. And Absolutely. for me, it's always been music. And, oh, gosh, you know, uh, I reached for the stars when I went after what I did, you know, and the odds, uh, I wouldn't have bet the odds on me or, uh, you know, it's just the uncertainties of this, of life, of music business, but I swept through the windows a few times and uh, I I look back and I'm like, well, there you go, you know, careful what you wish for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've been playing since you were a teenager. I mean, do you, you play other instruments other than the bass or... Just prominently bass. I'm sorry. Say that again. I'm sorry. I get it. Do you play other instruments other than the bass? I mean, that's your prominent yeah. instrument. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. Now you, okay. And, you, and you've been playing bass as a teenager, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, like, like it's funny. Paul McCartney, you know, and a lot of the famous bass players, they'll say, you know, 
it's not like you grew up wanting to play the bass. And a lot of times the bass finds the player. Mm. How's that? That's just the truth. Something like Sting. Sting didn't grow up to be a bass player, but he sure was a good one. Uh, Right. Paul McCartney, he took over on the bass. He's going because he was a nice guy. All right, I'll play the bass. No one gets the birds. So he's in the bass player. Don't get girls. The girls don't go after the bass players. I mean, this is it's funny, but this was the fact. So like with myself, I you know I kind of wanted to play guitar, and uh, but what's odd what's odd is I was a tuba player. So I had music theory in the bass cleft since I was ten. So as I look back, all the all the puzzle pieces were there. And by the time I was 14 and 15, when the drinking age was 18 in those days, I was in bars. I was in nightclubs playing for a living from 15 on. And, wow. uh, um, yeah, and it's been all – I've been playing for, oh, gosh, I can tell you, uh, over 40 years yeah. I've been playing. And, Did you and, think, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, please, you go ahead. Well, I was going to ask if you took place in any of the writing of uh, the hit songs for Foghat or Outlaws or, or Savoy Brown. You know, it's interesting. Um, I wrote for I wrote music for all those bands, but never really presented it or had the opportunity to, I guess is really yeah. the truth of the matter. So, yeah. like, for instance, I have a new CD I put out. It's uh-huh. obtainable that people go to my website. Uh, you know, www.jeffhollow.org, and you go to the Boogie Du Jour, which is my band, and right. you scroll down, you'll see the Bon Appetit CD. Now, it's interesting because on that CD um, are songs I wrote for Foghat, never gave to them, didn't have the wow. opportunity. There's a song wow. on there I wrote for Savoy Brown called Hard Road to Easy Street. It's just like Hellbound Train. It's heavy wow. Robin Fowler type blues. You know, it's just, I was blessed to be taken into these, to me, legendary bands. I was under now, Kim Simmons' name. Now, do these, guys, in, do these guys know that this new CD you have out has songs on it that you wanted them to play? And what do they think of them? Well, no, no, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're, we're in contact and stuff. I would think that uh, we are knowing each other musically and personally, but definitely musically, there's always that taste of what flavor is this. So I would say that uh, Sid Kim Simmons from Savoy Brown got a hold of my CD or heard some songs. He would right. hear he would hear threads of Savoy Brown in my music. Certain songs much more than others. It's not like I plagiarized. It's not like anything. If anything, what I did. No, it was the feel. Like, it was the feel that you were working with. It is. It's kind of like my way of giving a nod to the great bands I was blessed to play in, you know. No, there, there's never, there was never malice. I mean, you know, no one wants to hear the ugly side of the story, and believe me, it's a very part of the story. They just want to hear the shiny side of the story. So that's, and, and you know what, that's really all I really want to talk about. And when, you yeah. know, at the, at the end of the day, when you take your last breath, I'm going to say, you know, it could have been worse. You know, rather than just dwelling on this or that. But like with Foghat, you know, there's some songs on there I wrote that are very foghead. It's the last song on my CD called uh, Back On You is exactly uh, the same hard-driving flavor of the Night Shift album, which mm. was one of my favorite foghead CDs. So mm. it's interesting because when I joined that band, you know, Roger's like, how do you know this stuff so well? And the guitar players were going, my God, he knows it better than we do. And I took that, of course, as a compliment. But I go, listen, I'm a bass player. No one likes a bad bass note. So let's just, you know, I joke about it, but I'm a quick study. And I was always that way because of my education on the tuba. I get things mm-hmm. quick. I get things real quick. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and because of that, that got me in all these bands, all these famous bands that, that were some, some a lot alike, some very different. But Outlaws is definitely a, its own fabric. Nice. And, and it's because... I was able to speak those languages. So my suggestion to musicians is, you know, you always be good at something. And so you always be maybe something you like better, but learn to speak as many musical languages as you can and understand it. So you right. can excel some way. 
You know, you right. may not be a ska bass player, but you may get a gig in a ska band, and through that band, meet someone down the road, and that gets you more into a. You just, you know, you got to keep the the mud on the on the boots always muddy. You can't let it dry, and right. I think that that's the scary thing of life. And it brings me back to the whole thing. I'm going, oh my God, this thing about life is the chase is almost better than the catch. So when you right. catch it, what the hell are you going to do? Careful when right. you, you know, what you wish for is that's all I joke. So I think it's, and I saw, I saw it with Roger with Bogat, most definitely, you know, and and he's still playing. Obviously, all bands are on hiatus. This is really right. tough the entertainment industry right. as well. Hearts right. out. So, now, so you're, not, you're not touring with them now. Like you said, you're playing one night and they're playing the next night. Yeah, no, I have not played in that band since, like I said, 2015. I decided right. to I decided to battle a hell of an illness, and life goes on. Uh, I keep in touch with them. Uh, I co-wrote songs on the 2010 Last Train Home CD, you know, so I have connections with that. Uh, when I go out with my band, Boogie Du Jour, it's interesting. It's kind of like a collage of... A, a bit of Savoy Brown, a bit of Foghat, and a bit of Outlaws, and then some of my own music in, into it as well. So it's presented like, well, I was a member of all these bands. I'm on Wikipedia with a couple. So I, as I go through stumbling, trying to make sense of it all, I always know that it works best with the bass in my hand and I'm playing. And Hi. things always Hey, things Jeff. Always, yeah. I got a question for you. Uh, now, when you you're playing with these different bands, did you put your own bass lines into the songs, or did you follow what was originally there? Like, say for Foghat, did, did you copy any of those bass lines, or did you put your own uh, bass lines to it? Because I'm a bass player too, and I know that um, you know some songs you, you always want to put your signature lines, uh, you know, notes to something. And kind of make it your own. In the bass, you kind of you can do that because you're not playing a, a particular chord. You're playing notes around it. Is, is that what you did? There was always the fine hairs we split, right? You know, so so yeah, it's really cool. Um, good question, and it's the truth. So like you, you know, you kind of answered it yourself. You know intuitively what you would do, and I'm going to take a shot at this. So it's probably the same as I would do. Because your instinct tells you so. You got to do what's right for the song. So you got to copy right. what's expected. You don't want to change it. Or as Rogers say, don't get up there and jam. You know, and he would say it jokingly. But I get, you know, <laughs> and he, was thinking, he, was, he was more or less directing that about a lead guitar player we had. Um, right. And, and, and he, would, he would say it to me because we got along pretty funny like uh and uh, I get, the, and the gist is that, just that. And once you get it down, and 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 it's, the people have got to believe it. And even more so when you were in my shoes, when they would go, "Is that Roger's son?" Because I was a bit younger. I'm not an original member, as a replacement player. So, about the first song in, folks realize that. About the third song in, folks would be standing in front of me with a fist in the air, pounding as I'm just burning. And that was because right. it, was pure, it was pure heartfelt. Was I up there being Yingbei or Billy Sheehan? No. No. I was playing fog hat like a hair, had a pair the size of a bull, you know? And we had a certain thing for that terminology. There's a lot of, you know, you know there's, there's, it's macho. But I, yeah. I love the band so much as a fan that I always right. say, you know, if I was 12 rows back, I know what I'd want to hear and see. And right. and that and that is why I got the gig with these bands. It was pure right. conviction, you know. And and Roger knew it. I looked back, and Roger would be back there just smiling from ear to ear. Go, I love it. And, and to answer your question, I always did what was right for the song. Did I take my? Did I take the left turns all the time? And Roger right. would just wash mm-hmm. up. But never did I do things so out of context. To that, ruin it. Um, right. No, no, no. And and even worse than that, uh, throw the guys off their game. You know, you can't you oh. can't yank the you can't yank the rug out, certainly not with the bass. So I always right. would try to I would always try to have with musical theory, you learn know, about phrasing. So so, you know, it's great to have a sporadic note somewhere just to kind of shiver the timbers, 
but kind of building up to it and then down from it, you know, you know, the pinnacle up and down, you know. So even at warp speeds in a song like Honey Hush, it all can be obtained. And and so I think, though, really the best thing to do is figure out what you shouldn't do. <laughs> and then I, it can help you figure out what's best. You know? I, would, I would think for the both of you, John and, and Jeff, when you're playing, I mean, you want to be as uh, on time and uh, as perfect as possible, but you're feeling as a musician just flow through there without, like, ruining the song. If anything, you're enhancing it, you know, so it, it should really- uh, yeah. yeah, it should help. Yeah. Oh yeah. So There's it's no doubt. It's all in the feel, you know, what you're feeling when you're playing. And and as I Good. progress, I, I find that it's not so much how many notes you can put, but it's the space you make, you know. And right. uh, you know, it's a lot of music too. Is just the non-note. And right. uh, when I teach students up here in Ithaca, that's just it. I try to teach them about space and. You know, hanging on the back side of the TV, and uh, it helps. And uh, you know, and, and it's fun. It keeps me from being complacent. And right, uh, right, right now, this you know, especially with, with, with what's going on, you know, uh, a lot of bands. Uh, fortunately, I've lost no shows because I really don't start up until the middle of June, and then I have outside summer shows booked up. And uh, last summer was with. Uh, I do a lot of shows up in the Cape area with uh, Barry Good from Boston, the guitar player yeah. of the albums. Uh, uh, John Cassidy and the sax player tunes. I do a lot with, yeah, they're, oh, they're great guys. And uh, uh, we did a thing, we, uh, James Montgomery and, and Christine Ullman, she's always involved with it. Oh, cool. Um, Oh yeah, no. These they're all they're all they're all class acts, you know. And I'm blessed to be stuffing into the deck well, with the studio, them. the studio's got to be suffering, unfortunately. Your your studio, and you know, because you can't have people in there, so that's got to be hurting right now, unfortunately. It's it's interesting because I'm I'm the the the, the new people are waking me up, so everything is done on camera, portal, via Skype. And it's uh, I'm recording oh, with this. Oh, cool. then, then everything's yeah. fine. There's no no issues. Good, 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 good. It's going on like tonight. I think there's some sort of concert on TV or something. Or I heard something. They're country acts, and it's a oh, concert. Yeah. It's what they're doing. You'll get all these guys, and what we'll see is a TV screen with four or five different faces from wherever the heck they live in the in the country. But they're all time aligned, playing the same song at the same time. I right. think that's really freaking cool, and boy, are we lucky to have that right now. Right, and, uh, is right. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, I got another question for you. Uh, yeah. We got a lot of musicians. We we got a lot of musicians listening all over the world. And uh, could you just tell us a little something about the bass rig that you have and the equipment that you use? Because I've seen on your website you got some um, Ampeg bottoms, and you use a different head, though, correct? Uh, what I got, uh, I got rack mount SVT heads. So okay. they're, yeah, they're they're the original ones. Back when I was in the Outlaws in the early, I think it was about nine, early nineties, uh, St. Louis Music, uh, USA made bought up the rights and they made Ampeg and they gave me a deal. Actually, I got the deal in Fogat way before. And the funny thing is. The guy that gave me the deal, the CEO, was Ken Hensley. So I'm talking to this British guy, and I go, wait a minute. I go, are you Ken Hensley from Uriah Heap, the keyboard player? He goes, yes, I am. Unbelievable. Wow. So I, I did. I started laughing. I go, what's up with the Heapsters these days? And he, <laughs> he started laughing his ass off. That's like when I met Eddie Money, and I said, I look at his little kids, and I look at him. I go, what's this, small change? Eddie Money about that. He's just, about, he's just about, no, he did. That's exactly it. You know, I, I treat people like I've always known them and put some pretty comfy. And it kind of helps in this head business. It really does. But Ampeg Bottoms, Ampeg Rack Mounts, Pro 4, Pro 3s. Uh, I got the HLF 410s, which are four-ohm cabinets apiece, which I love. And then I got the regular eight-ohm 410 Ampegs. Up out in the road cases, I got these monsters. It's a 2,000-watt SVT loaded in a case that you stand up, pull the front off, 
you know, it's huge. And it's in a big flight case. It's loaded with David Eden's so 2000 watt 810. And then I also wow. have the same, I have the same size loaded in a case as 400 plus pounds is, uh, one year they reissued the V4B base cabinet. And wow. that those were, they were colossal. What they were were basically, it looks like an SVT, but it's twice as deep. There's, it's a horn loaded 215 spacing each other like the old, uh, uh, acoustic cabinets, so the 15s face backwards and upside down, and it's also, it's a it's a hell of a cabinet. I never use it. It's so ungodly. So I go with the punchier four tens. I got this Gens Benz rig that Jeff Gensler gave me in 2010. This incredible. Uh, I primarily play G and L bases. Um, I use some Spectre. Spectre gave me a nice deal in 2010. I like them. They're great funk bases. But they're not really my voice. The GNL's got my voice. And uh, uh, I run through a Boss ME50B pedal for a few things to sweeten it up. The Sans Amp. And I'm wireless. You know, that I can't stand still. And then I'm centered. <laughs> so with my game, with Boogie DeJour, it's like Wishbone, Ash, and Thin Lizzy. If you look at the group, I'm in the middle with the bass. I got two guitar players on both sides of me, and they're both lead players. One blazes on slide, and he's also a hell of a lead singer, Greg Meisner. And uh, he does the Savoy Brown, and, and when we do the Outlaws, I watch people look at each other and go, oh, my God, because we hit the vocals, you know, like the yippee-yay's and stuff. Yeah, I love, not I love that song, yeah. yeah. Not the stuff to do. And I got Richie Rossiano on guitar. My friend Don Farrell on drums, these are great guys. And I'll tell you, when we hit the stage and we come off, <laughs> the guys from Barry, Barry Digital's band goes, you didn't leave us any notes to play. I go, oh, yeah. You, you got to dig a little deep, that's all. And they do. They're, they're fantastic. And cool. Barry, he's a stellar guy. And, right. you know, I've been blessed. I hope these shows don't cancel. Yeah. I, I get, if they do, it's because of this dastardly thing that exactly. is now global. It's right. horrible. Where are you located? Where Where am I speaking to? Uh, we're in New Jersey and, and Philadelphia. Okay. Beautiful. Great area. Great yeah. area. I, I've been playing down a few years back. Uh, uh, was it uh, Summers Beach or Summers Point? Summers Point, mm. I think it was. Down mm. in New Jersey. Yeah, I did an outside show. Oh, there yeah. was a, South Jersey, probably, yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you about the new album. I mean, Boogie Du Jour, and yeah. it's called Bon Appetit. What's the French connotation there? What's up with that? Why Why are we French named, and why do we, well, obviously you named the album Bon Appetit because they're French, but. That was it. It was just the flair of the day, you know, kind of kind of lighthearted all, and uh, uh, the Boogie Du Jour was more or less, uh being with the Brits for so long, you know, and, and the English friend love relationship, not. And, uh, uh, you know, just uh, no real intention. It just happened. It just yeah. happened. That's cool. I just wanted to ask where you got it from. Well, it, yeah. uh, would you like uh, folks to hear your new, one of the new songs off the CD? Yeah, yeah. That would be just fantastic. The stuff is for sale. It's available. Lots of merchandise. My first CD is called First Time. Hey, there you go. And and yeah. that's, that's a bit different. That's that's more pop oriented, more vocal oriented. I'm all over the page with stuff I play. You know, a lot of people know me as a as this bass player that's up there doing all this razzle dazzle and it's good and all. And then I don't do that on my records because I feel I feel self indulgent with that. I think you limit your market and and you're just gonna be critiqued. So I go, I don't want to do this, like, you know, listen to me play every bass like I know, song after song. I write songs, and the bass is part of it. Some is a bit stronger than others. It's always solid. I have a good time playing it, but I'm trying to write the songs for the sake of the songs, you know, the we, not the me. So uh, having said that, the, this last CD, the Bon Appetit, much more along the tunes of uh, what you would see if you saw me play live. Yeah, more cool. aggressive. Cool. Yes. Well, this is, called, this is called, what, Opus to Scott, and what, what's yeah. behind that? And then right after that, Opus to Scott is the prelude. It goes right into Dreaming of You. 
Mm. And the little story behind that is uh, Scott was a sound man. So many bands I was in. Went to Asia with me. Uh, oh, gosh. And he used to tease me because I would be playing all the time. And he'd say, where are you playing, your opus? So all these years later, I, I did this little uh, little intro to set up the song Dreaming of You. And uh, it kind of, it, it'll hit you, I think. Cool. Well, what do you think, John? Will you hear it? Here we go. Where can they find out about you? What's up? 
Thank you very much. If I have my website, www.jeffhowell.org. Yep. And and uh, you go there and you go to the Boogie Du Jour page. And uh, do I still thank have you? Mrs. Thank you, Mrs. Howell. <laughs> yes, yeah, she, yeah, she was telling me it was exactly. Anyhow, you go to the boogie, you go to the boogie du jour page, and you scroll right. down, and there's all kinds. We got it's called merch for perch. So there's merchandise. There's both CDs available there. I would love people to have them. You know, I mean, it's kind of like putting a record on. I dug that, and it's kind of yeah. like when I go for a drive in my car and I put a CD in. I like that. Downloads, I get it. It's cool. Buy a song, I get it. It's cool. You know, whatever. Um, I like it in my hands. You know, that's just, there's something about that, you know. The Fog Hat CD I did in 2010, they made special edition limited run of an album. It's a double album set done on virgin blue vinyl. I've got a couple copies uh, I have never opened I'll just and I probably never will. They're right. just you know they're they're personal keepsakes. Uh, with me, it's like uh, I did three CDs with the Outlaws. They're phenomenal CDs, and the mm. third one is a very rare, hard one to find. That was actually released as a solo record by Huey Thomason, who was the guitar player that went on to join Skinner and then died uh, a few years uh, shortly wow. after. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, wow. yeah, he was—he was really the, the main outlaw. He, without right. Huey, there's really—I mean, there's an outlaws out there playing it today. Uh, God right. bless them. It wasn't the outlaws I played in. But either way, yeah. the third CD was called Solo, and it was released by Huey. It's really hard to find. Absolutely incredible songs on it. You know, wow. just uh, yeah. So right. cool, cool. Well, Jeff, listen, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it so much. I love the new stuff. It's fabulous. I'm going to post that song, if you don't mind, after the show. I and, love you guys, too. Yeah. For, thank you, Julianne, for contacting me to do this. You know, yeah, we're all no, getting through, pleasure. We're getting through the corona, and, uh, God, man, my, my heart bleeds for people that lost people, and I just, I just hope this just goes as quick as it came. Me too. And listen, you stay safe, happy, and healthy, and we'll all be fine. And uh, good luck with the new album, and all the best to you. And we thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. And I'll post on Facebook where you could uh, hear the show back and whatnot, and I'll tag you, okay? Let's do this again sometime. I had a great time with the both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much, Jeff. Have a good night, Jeff. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. Hey, Joanne. We got nice. Chris on the line from the Burrito Brothers. Hey, hey Chris. Hello. Are you there? Hello. How are you, you doing, me? Chris? He, he I'm you doing fine. good, and I'm very happy to to be asked to do this. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I appreciate it. We we love having you guys on. And uh, well, I appreciate you. Especially on your Sunday evening. And uh, I believe today is today Palm Sunday, I think. I don't even know what day it is anymore with what's going on. <laughs> I know. It feels like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I this is wild. Have one clue. after another, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh my God! Did you hear? Did you hear Jeff's new song? Uh, I think I came in on just the tail end of it. Oh my God! That bass was just oh, John, wasn't that phenomenal? Mm-hmm. Oh my oh, God! Oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah excellent. Well, well Chris, what we was appreciate fu- funny? What John, you- uh, John said, uh, "Is this Graham?" And I thought. Wow! <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> oh wow! Well, I, I was yeah, to talk uh, to you about Graham. I did want to talk to you about Graham, but you know, I didn't want him to take the whole show. But uh, you know, I, so now uh, Graham kind of started the Burrito Bros called the Flying Burrito Bros. Oh Why yeah, more yeah. than kind of, absolutely right. did. Yeah, he he yeah, looms yeah, as yeah. the biggest. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, while I was looking up you guys, uh, you know, of course, I like to do some research on our guests. Uh, he had a pretty tough life. That's, I felt really bad reading about his situation. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, that, it's a crazy it, story, isn't it? Right. About the, I'm uh, not, the, it was great times, but he had some crazy shit going on, too, you know? Oh, my God. Boy, no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from a very, very rich 
wealthy family, the uh, the big orange producers uh, in Florida, and he always uh, had a trust fund, and he was uh, he was poor little rich kid, you know. Right, right. Well, and yeah. I'm sure the money didn't help his uh, cause uh, with the problems and the addictions or whatever. You know, that's uh, just fueled the yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, made made yeah. it easy. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. quite certain though that. Uh, his musical career was not bought and paid for. It was a fact that he was very talented. Right, right, right. Yeah. I know. Well, well, so now tell us about what's going on with the Burrito Brothers. Why is it not the Flying Burrito Brothers? Is there a reason to that? Oh, my. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. there's, a, there's a whole story behind it. Yeah, uh, mainly uh, uh, the answer to what's going on with the Burrito Brothers in a nutshell right now is that we have a brand-new album. Called right. the Notorious Burrito Brothers, yes. and it's it's the biggest deal that the group has gotten in decades. It's worldwide right. distribution with a major label out of England called SFM Records, mm. and uh, it's just a beautiful thing. It's getting uh, uh, promoted, and uh, I'm just thrilled. It's a dream come true. But as for now, to go back to the other part of the question about the name, uh, it started. Back in 1968, with friends of Parsons and Chris mm-hmm. Hillman, who uh, Barry Cashin from the Remains and Ian Dunlop, who had been in the International Submarine Band with Parsons, right. had a group that they it was just a loose bar band group, and different people would sit in, including Graham, and uh, they called that the Flying Burrito Brothers. And uh, a year or so later as Graham jokingly told an interviewer on a, a recorded interview I've heard that he uh, stole the name. They just, For whatever reason, they just liked that name. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it was even uh, somewhat uh, uh, thought to be a, a possible title for the Bird's fifth album, which ended up being called the Notorious Bird Brothers. Mm-hmm. And that's the last album before Graham joined the Bird's. Right, and so our yeah. name for this album is a nod to all that. It's like a, mm. it's a reminder of the whole roots of the thing. Did the guys then, from the uh, birds? Did the guys from the birds give you a hard time for saying the Notorious Burrito Brothers instead of? Uh, well, I haven't the, heard that. I wouldn't think so. I, I haven't mm. heard anything of the sort so far. Um, uh, I. I Doubt it because it's a it's in tribute and salute and uh, uh, right. in honor of, but uh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out, right? Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, um, uh, when the burrito the flying burrito brothers moved from L.A. to Nashville in about 1979 or 80, it was about 80, I think they got a deal with Curb Records, and they just shortened the name to. The Burrito Brothers. I think they mm. thought that was just kind of catchier or easier or something. And and uh, we're based in Nashville, and that's essentially uh, how it got shortened from flying to burritos. But there's also right. another little part to that story. The um, the Flying Burrito Brothers surfaced various times through the years, and uh, Chris Hillman, the only surviving member of the uh, original group at least the original album, The Gilded Palace of Sin, mm. uh, registered the logo so that he could put out uh, archival recordings or uh, print T-shirts or whatever. But right. it's these trademarks are specific. and We own the trademark to the Burrito Brothers. Mm. Uh, he owns a logo right, not a working band. He has no intention of having a working band called the Burrito mm. Brothers. I mean, the mm. uh, Flying Burrito Brothers. Right, right. And so he he's, asked, more, he's more on the merchandise. You're more on the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asked, or he's on also archival, you know, history uh, stuff from when he was in it, which only went up to 1972. And uh, um, he's put out a couple CDs from way back when, radio show type things, live performance. And he can use that name for that, but he right. uh, doesn't have a current band, and so. We're not in conflict, but he did ask that we don't use flying. It, it just was his request that uh, that could be sort of his side of it. And right, of course, right. we're, of course, we honor that. Right. 
Well, were you so with there, the band? Were you with the band when they did Wild Horses, or no? You oh came God, no, with? no. I'm a much later. If, if you look up the, it starts with the Flying Burrito Brothers, moves to the Burrito Brothers, and even is called Burrito Deluxe for about yeah. seven years. Um, in Wikipedia, that's all seen as the same lineage. It's all the same entry. And uh, and so that band has had slightly different name variations, and it's also had, oh gosh, many 60, members, many members, sixty <laughs> different people, yeah, something. Yeah. And uh, crazy fact: no two groups in a row, no two albums in a row have the same lineup. Right. But wow, it's absolutely yeah. ever changing. Yeah. Do you think you guys would have done better? Well, not you guys, but them at the time would have done better had they not had such a revolving door of members and maybe that I don't know. I mean, the music was fantastic. hard to say. I mean, maybe you know, had Graham not died, had right. Chris Hillman not gone and played with Steve Stills, uh, mm-hmm. had Rick Roberts not gone to Firefall, it's a, a bunch of what ifs. Uh, uh, Right, because the I other dude, when they branched off, the the people they went with uh, wound up having some major success. So you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And then there's always a, a promoter, a record deal, somebody wanting to keep to reconstitute the group from who's left and get a couple new guys and carry on. And, and right, because the music, was, the music was great. It was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I thought to myself, I mean, the music was great, and I'm just wondering if it would have taken off even further if maybe it was a different name. Because when you hear the Burrito Brothers, maybe. you kind of think, <laughs> you know, it's something maybe Mexican or, you know what yeah. I mean? But it's, yeah. it's nowhere near that, you know? No, not really, is it? No, it's a, yeah. it's a progressive rock group with uh, right. with with country touches, you know? Right. It's, uh, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, uh, it's a crazy name. It's a silly name. It's a <laughs> well, so tell tell us about the new album, the Notorious Burrito Brothers. Who's who's on that with you? Any any uh anybody uh that worked with you yeah. guys from other bands? I mean, well, it's uh, myself on keyboards and uh, uh, lead vocals, uh, harmonic, a little bit of guitar, and then there's the wonderful inventive pedal steel player Tony Paoletta and and then there's uh, Bob Hatter fabulous guitar player who also plays the bass on this album and finally Peter Young is the drummer and backup harmony singer and also the engineer he was at the board when we were recording it oh and, cool. uh, yeah and it was uh, conceived from the get go as a, a work we really conceptualized this one we we put a lot of thought and a lot of preparation into it and uh it wasn't like we just had nine or ten songs and decided that's enough let's call it an album we had a piece of work with a introduction the first song is introductory it brings everybody into the party invites them the last song is very definitely a finale and there's a pacing throughout including a uh 10 or 11 minute suite that's that's like four different musical pieces all glued together seamlessly for a little adventure there that's very much like something more progressive rock groups do right right so uh anything special on the cd that you want to share with us uh, oh yeah every bit of it <laughs> yeah well of course i mean anything that would anything that would resonate from the past uh burrito brothers or? oh yes absolutely they, we always have a new i should put quotes around the word new mm. graham parsons song mm. we there was a notebook that i got uh to photocopy pages from back in the year 2000. There was a project I was in on called the Graham Parsons Notebook in which a bunch of artists, singers, musicians in Nashville made an album from an existing bunch of of writings, of lyrics that Graham Parsons had left in a notebook with his friend John Deweese. And uh, um, we ended up putting one on but there was more where that came from, and, and uh, some of the songs just lay fallow, so to speak. And uh, finally, now in these more recent years, this is a really nice outlet for them. So I had a uh, I had a lyric from Graham Parsons' notebook, which I later learned 
uh, was also paraphrasing words from Fred Neal, the great uh, folk singer and uh, friend of Graham's. Yeah. And uh, the song's called Sometimes You Just Can't Win. Yeah. And we put, we put music to it. And uh, our concept of that one was to put as close as we could a Rolling Stones-type vibe to it because people who follow Graham know that he was great friends and influenced by and did influence the Rolling Stones. Right, right. So we've got this sort of Graham Stones vibe on the song, Sometimes You Just Can't Win, Mm. which is, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. So now before this uh, cancellation of the world, were you guys scheduled to play out or your tour hasn't started yet? Yeah, we hadn't started yet. We were sort of uh, uh, expecting to uh, get a lot more uh, juice going, you know, a lot more of having this album, and and then we'd uh, start organizing. And we really hoped, since it's worldwide distribution, that we would get to go overseas. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we would have because. Well, you will. We, just not yeah. right now. Just not right now. You know. It's all on hold now. Yeah. No, everybody. Everybody's life is on hold right now. Uh, yeah, but you know, weird. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so now, um, do you are the sole writer of the new CD? Oh, or? absolutely not. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, it's very much a collective, a collaborative effort. Uh-huh. We, I, I probably start it more than anybody. I'm kind of a little more the lyricist and um, an initial uh, song idea guy. But we get together and work it out. Like, for instance, the opening song is called Bring It, and it invites everybody to come on in, you know, bring it on, come on. And um, I told the guys that I had this concept for an opener, including, uh, we figure, probably a show opener, not just an album opener. But uh, it's all sort of come on in and join us. Come on, let's go, everybody. And uh, so I I said to Bob, this ought to have a, a, a killer electric guitar riff to it, you know, and, mm. and he came through and we just share like that, you know, the sweet, uh, Tony came up with a, um, a beautiful instrumental melody on his pedal steel, uh, to open the thing. We just collaborate. And yeah, a great time. So where, where'd you guys record out of, uh, I don't know where you're located. I'm not asking for your address. Nashville. But, <laughs> uh, 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 recorded out of Nashville, right? Yeah. Although, uh, <laughs> just right nearby, like, uh, 20 minutes away, 20 miles away. Uh, Franklin, Tennessee is just right, really part of Nashville and a fabulous studio that Pete, Peter Young turned us on to called Alchematic and it's operated by Mark Richardson, who is just a beautiful guy, really mm-hmm. sensitive to good sound and artistry and music. And he used to be at uh, Electric Ladyland in New York. And so between uh, Peter Young and Mark Richardson, we got the cleanest, best, warmest sound I've heard on a nice. video's album. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. So now this is the first album in how long for Burrito? Oh, well, actually... It's just been not even two years. We, oh, we had one in Yeah, we had one in uh, in 2018. And, How'd that um, go? Did you tour? Did you guys was, do a tour and everything? Everything went, went yeah, well? Yeah, that one, that one kind of slapped us in the face. We, uh, we sort of took wrong advice or got the wrong idea about uh, how to sell it, how to market it, uh, and uh, printed them up ourselves and thought we could maybe do it on the – on our website and social media and, and, uh, and sell them at gigs and stuff. And then we realized, boy, that doesn't really fly like a real record deal. And we tried to pitch it on the grounds that we still own it. It's our baby. You know, uh, it's not really been picked up by a label. It's just been our own. But unfortunately we had printed up copies. We got a, UPC code, it was available for download, and so every label we talked to said, I'm sorry, that's already regarded as having been released. Oh, and wow. They, and the one we're with right now, SFM, said they particularly liked it, so please let us know when you have the next one. Right. And, uh, so, so we kind of hustled and got on it, and uh, uh, 
and did so, it their way with yeah, the marketing. So now we, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But actually before that, it's uh, eight years, I think, or oh, seven. Um, the, the previous Burrito Brothers album was in 2011. But we're kind of on a more recent roll, having done two in less than two years. Right, right. Cool. Cool. Well, what, the song that you guys uh, have asked us to play, the the dark end of the street. What's behind that song? Anything special? Or oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that's the one and only song we didn't write on the album. It's a classic rhythm and blues song, originally done by James Carr and also famous by Aretha Franklin and Percy Sledge mm-hmm. and, uh, and others. And um, it's on the classic. Gilded Palace of Sin, first flying Brewer Brothers album, which is right. on all those lists of greatest albums of all time. And wow. uh, and so it's almost seen as us repeating a song that the group did, and I wasn't for that, but Tony, the steel player, Tony Paoletta, had heard the writer of that song um, sing it, uh, Dan Penn, sing it, and uh, um, he realized Boy, the, the version the Burrito Brothers did in 1969 has a bunch of missed lyrics. It kind of doesn't tell the story exactly correctly. He, he tells really? that they weren't they weren't quite doing it right. It's wow. It's almost blasphemy to say that because people. And that's when Graham Graham was in the band. That, that, yeah, that, that and and it's it. it's very appealing because Graham's voice is so charming and appealing, and and the group was so talented, but. You can make a case that they didn't exactly do the song right. And uh, right. so Tony wanted to make our version that, that, you know, got the whole form and all the correct lyrics. And uh, and he talked us into it, and I thought, oh, all right. And, and I'm very satisfied that it's not in any way just a copy of right. what they did. And furthermore, it was a cover tune when they did it. Right, right, right. Well, do you want do you want to let the folks hear it now, or you you want to talk sure. a little more? All right, cool, well, John. You... You have to okay, here we go. At right, the dark end of the street, that's where we'll always meet, hiding in shadows. the dark end of the street, you and me, I know that time is gonna take its toll, we'll have to pay for the love that we stole, cause it's a Dark end of 
Yeah, who, what album came out any given year, who was in the group at the time, how it transpired. And you can easily follow how it always carried over. If, if uh, Every time there was some sort of reinvention or personnel change, there was still the core of some guys oh, who right. got some new guys and kept going. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear the whole thing. I, I actually, I got, I believe... Uh, I believe um, John sent over a whole bunch of stuff for me, and uh, this is the one that you guys picked. So, but I, uh, I want to listen to the rest of the stuff. I, I can't wait. Oh, I please can't, do, I wanna, yeah. Yeah, I want to hear the first song. I want to see, like you said, if it's a party. I want to go to that party. So. <laughs> and check out and check out Acrostic. It's uh, I think the fifth song. It's kind of yeah. palate cleaner. Uh, I uh, I read the word Acrostic sometime a year and a half ago or so and didn't know what it meant and I looked yeah, what it up. Is it, what is it? Acrostic? Yes, acrostic. And an acrostic is a poetic or lyric tool, uh, a device in which the first letter of every line in a poem or lyric is a is part of a, a message of words. So if you're looking at the lyric sheet, you read down the left side, just the first letter of each line, and see what that spells. And that's an acrostic. And hmm. that song wow. does that. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm telling... Chris, thank you so much for joining us. I've actually had a lovely time, and it was a pleasure meeting you, and great listening to the new song, and wishing nothing but the best with the new stuff and, and the album, and hopefully everything, all this uh, virus crap dies down. You guys can get back on the road and do what you want to do and what you love doing and get that word out. Yes, well, thank you, Joanne. It's really been a pleasure. I, I'm I'm flattered that you had me on your show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, no, please. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. Listen, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, stay healthy. We'll be good. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're doing now. All right. Well, take care, honey. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Bye. 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 Oh, man, some great music tonight, huh, John? Oh my God! It's incredible, yeah, and that's what, you know, and we we kind of have a captive audience now that no one can go out. They have to just listen to our show, right? <laughs> and they're that's getting right. you know, some beautiful music, you know, and right. they're benefiting right. from it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So we're helping. Uh, let's help everybody out, you know, and get the get these guys uh, out there since they can't play out. So let's uh, help them sell their music and let people hear it. I mean, ah. Oh. I I didn't know you were a bass player. I thought you were a guitar player, John. I, pl- I play both. I play. Yeah, yeah I, I play both. I thought, I thought you were more of a regular guitar player. And I'm not regular. Yeah. I mean, you know, guitar player, guitarist. <laughs> I'm. Well, yeah. I, I, my main, you know, my main instrument is lead guitar, the bass, and the piano. You know, but yeah, the, my main thing is the, the guitar. Yeah, I am like so biased. To the and and Fred, I just love the bass and the drums. That it just if that's not in there, I can't. It, you know, it's just got it, that song was so driving. That Opus to Scott, that was just like unbelievable. Oh man! I yeah, and the whole the whole thing <laughs> is I don't know how how people could listen to music on a little iPhone with a little box they put it into. Uh, my system has two 15-inch subwoofers plus old uh, Soren Vega speakers that have a 15 and I think an 8 and a 4-inch speaker. And if I don't have the full sound of that bass thumping, you know, it doesn't, it's just not music yeah. to me, you know. And, and the people today, the kids today are missing out on that because they don't know what it's like to listen to music that uh, you can hear all the different bars. They just hear right. you know, a mix mash of the stuff on a little tiny speaker. It doesn't sound right. 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 Well, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm. Well, I know you've been really busy with the house and everything, but on Facebook, a lot of musicians are doing like Facebook Live to play for people. And like even tonight, like uh, Chris said, there's this country thing on tonight where uh, the country artists are doing uh, stuff from their homes via the internet. Not one, not one of the kiddie acts are doing it because they can't. 
do it live without the shit behind them. <laughs> Only true well, musicians can do what these guys are doing. Thank you. Well, yeah, right? put a guitar in I mean, front of these uh, these kid bands. They wouldn't know what to do with it. They'd have to have you know a computer-generated yeah. avatar playing yeah. with them. Yeah, but yeah. have you noticed that? <laughs> Not one of these acts that are famous today and popular today are uh, are able to do what these people are doing. And you know, there's a That's reason true. for it. Because That's they true. have no damn yeah. talent. What these exactly. people are doing is talent. So, well, I had a blast, John. And uh, thank you to our sponsors, the High Bar and Bistro, Garfield, New Jersey, uh, Precious Memory Video in Kittnersville, Pennsylvania, KWV Wines in South Africa. Oh, we have a new sponsor. It's They're called Keys for the Times. And they'll be selling T-shirts directly from from our website, which is going to be fabulous. And uh, we're going to get them up on the website Excellent. soon. And, um, okay, uh, what else? And uh, oh, who's coming up on uh, Wednesday? Hold on one second. Wednesday, Wednesday. What day is Wednesday? Okay. Wednesday is Wednesday. Sunday at Carvel. <laughs> Today's the 5th, right? Yeah. Today's the fifth. Oh, jeez. I don't have the full information oh, yeah. here. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, uh, Ron, Yeah, it's Ron Henderson and Dale, but I don't have their information, uh, their backup information. I apologize, folks. I will post that on Facebook and we'll put it up on our site as soon as possible. I have it in my uh, my email. I apologize. I wasn't ready. As usual, <laughs> I wasn't ready. So, but... John, thank you so much. I love you, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Please be safe, stay home, and stay healthy, and we'll get through this. And stick with us. We'll take you there, and we'll keep you uh, entertained, uh, we hope, and at least keep you uh, letting you know that life is normal. So hang in there. We got Uh, this, right? No plus can be. We got right. it, and we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Take care.